Hey, Penrith Baptist Church. I uh, hope you're doing well today. Hope you've had a, a good week. And I uh, hope you've been seeing over these last few weeks, uh, as God moves, uh, he is often moving in our lives uh, far more than sometimes we're aware. Uh, but as we've been doing this series, As God Moves, there just seems to be a bit of a greater awareness of uh, what God is doing. Uh, just maybe taking a little bit more notice than normal, perhaps, of uh, as God moves in our lives and as God moves in our city as well. And today, we are, it's the second last message in this series, uh, As God Moves. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6, the first nine verses there. And uh, I've called this message today, As God Moves, We Serve and Live Humbly. Or we serve humbly. So there's two kind of elements to the message today. But let's just kick it off with Ephesians chapter 6. I'll read those verses, starting with verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Amen to that. Uh, Verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Some terms that we, uh, we're not used to hearing to, in today's culture so much, particularly servants and slaves. Uh, we don't really have the same context uh, today, uh, particularly when we, when we read the word slave. Um, it's a different context to what Paul is talking about here in this letter. Uh, the context of, of slave is in what we would say in today. Uh, in uh, probably the closest approximation we might have is as an employee, uh, that we would work for somebody else. Uh, so we turn up for work each day, we do our jobs, and we do what we're told to do, and then we, then we go home, and then we come back the next day. And it's probably more in that context of slave or house uh, servants, people who would work in the household or on the on the properties, on the farms, on the on the lands that they had, it, it was more of an employee setting rather than a slavery that we would think about, where it's the bad kind, where there's and uh, where there's chains and there's no freedom. That's not the kind of slaves that we're talking about here, nor is it the kind of slave that Paul is talking about in his letter. In fact. The, um, the, the word slave that is used from, the, from a Greek word is duolos. 
And it often gets translated in different places with the words bond servant, which is a very interesting term that we first come across in the Bible in Exodus chapter 21. Let me just read the first uh, verses around, around that concept of what we're talking about when we're talking about serving or bond servant or slave. It says these words in Exodus chapter 21. There are, these are the laws you are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. And if he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife, when he comes, she is to go with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to the master and only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door of the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. Now, it's not surprising to me um, that this is the kind, this is the context, which still is foreign for us today. This is still not necessarily uh, the culture. It's not the culture that we live in today. But Paul describes himself on multiple occasions uh, as a bond servant. uh, If you wanted to look those up, there's in Romans 1 verse 1 or in Galatians 1 verse 10. And again, in Philippians 1, verse 1, depending on the version of Bible that you read, the New King James or the NASB version actually use that word bond servant. And it points back to that passage that we just read in Exodus chapter 21. And the reason why Paul uses that phrase as a bond servant is because when Christ came, He was set free when Christ came and we had this relationship with Christ by faith. We actually enter into this freedom as well. Yet we have this role that yet we have this place of submission and surrender to Christ where he is the one who leads us. He is the one who guides us and willingly we submit our lives to him wholeheartedly. And that's the context that Paul is talking about when being a bond servant. He described himself as a bond servant of Jesus. And that is what we are as well, uh, that we serve him and it's him that we serve. We may do other things with other people and we go to work and we serve, but we serve as unto the Lord, not as unto men, as those verses that we just read are describing. So when we talk about serving, this is the context. This is what we're talking about, that we would serve as bond servants, that we serve Jesus as the one who leads us and guides us and watches over us, protects us, does so many things for us and has done already for us on our behalf. So we have this amazing relationship with Jesus And Paul is talking about that relationship that we have with Christ, that we serve others from that place, that we serve into our church from that place, that we serve in our places of employment or in our schools or wherever we find ourselves, 
that we serve knowing that first and foremost, we serve Christ. And that as we serve others, we are serving Christ. And so it's a very interesting thought that we have to serve Christ in this way. And those verses that we read, those first nine verses in Ephesians 6, they're all talking about having a place of humility and serving. And serving and humility, they have to go together, right? Um, it's very hard to, have, to be, have a servant heart and not be humble. If we have pride, then we're probably not going to be great at serving. And the flip side is true as well. If we're serving from a place um, where, our, where our pride is, is ruling us, it's really hard to have humility. If we're taking pride and we're trying to lord it over people, um, then, then there's pride going on and it's really hard. Uh, pride and humility just do not go together very well at all. Actually, not at all. And so two things that we're talking about today as God moves, that we serve. We serve humbly. And we need to know that when we're serving, we're not just putting our names down on a, on a roster, on a, on a list of things to do. That is serving, but it's the attitude behind our serving. It's the attitude of why am I serving? Uh, because we belong to Christ. And what we do, we may do as unto man, but ultimately it's unto the Lord. He's the one who leads us. And just like in that really interesting word picture that we read in Exodus, where a bond servant willingly submits himself back to being a servant in that household. And it's signified by driving an awl through the ear. That's pretty graphic. I'm really grateful that we don't have to do that, that we don't do that these days. That's not what we need to do to be a bond servant of Christ. But it's still the same attitude that we've been set free. We have this incredible freedom, yet we willingly submit ourselves wholeheartedly to Christ. And then we talk about humility. And uh, what is humility? Uh, some people might think that humility is thinking less about yourself. I think humility is actually thinking about yourself less. Um, that's a part of it. A little bit of a play on words there, but humility is thinking about others. It's preferring others. It's looking to the needs of others. Pride being the opposite of that is very inward focused. It's all about me. It's what I want. It's what I prefer. It's what I want to do. Whereas humility is outward focused. You know, and sometimes that we, we get challenged in that humility. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves, therefore. I once heard a pastor say, it's much better to humble yourself than have God do it. Um, and I think there might be some truth in that, that we're encouraged and instructed to humble ourselves when we recognize pride rising up in us that we would address it, that we would recognize that it's pride and that we come back before the Lord, come back before God and, and repent if we need to and come back to a place of humility. Now, they had a, 
um, a bit of a, a story to, to share with you, a bit of a, a personal journey in this respect. And, and many, many years ago, um, I used to be part of a, a worship team in um, Bathurst, and then I moved from Bathurst to Albury, Wodonga, and then from Wodonga moved to Penrith. Um, and throughout the course of my journey, I love worship. I love being in the music team. I, I love participating in, in the worship of our church. And, and I loved it and I practiced and I wanted to get good and, and I wanted to, to be good at it. I wanted to give my God, I wanted to give God my best in it. And it got to a point when the church that I was in, in Albury, Wodonga, I happened to be the only uh, probably piano player there. There was a lady who was serving and uh, she was already doing so much. Uh, very, very gifted uh, woman in that church. Uh, very great teacher. And she was just serving in the music team just because they needed somebody to do it. And so when I moved there, uh, I was able to, to, I guess, alleviate some of her role in that area and step into that. And I loved it. And I really enjoyed being a part of it and was able to start training some of the younger kids coming through and how to play keyboards and how to play piano in a worship team context. And, and I thought I was humble. I thought I was sharing my the gifts that God given me. I thought I was being selfless and, and sharing it around and, and wanting to see others grow in that as well. I didn't recognize that there was some pride in my life uh, until I moved to Penrith and joined a church here and joined a worship team here. And here I am part of this worship team. And then along comes this new guy. Uh, his name's Bruce. And uh, Bruce was a phenomenal keyboard player, a phenomenal piano player and a great singer as well and a wonderful, wonderful worship leader. And you would think I would be excited to have Bruce come along, um, but I wasn't because there was pride in my heart. And instead of feeling like, wow, this is amazing. Here's Bruce. We're going to connect so well. We're going to be great friends. I felt threatened by Bruce and I didn't like Bruce. I didn't like that he was better than me. I didn't like that he could sing better than me. I didn't like a whole lot of things. And, and this started kind of just working away in my heart where I was just getting bitter and threatened. And I really felt like I came to a moment where I had to make a decision. Do I leave the worship team because he's Bruce? Or do I have a humble attitude and come with a different thought? What can I learn from Bruce? I'm grateful to be able to tell you with this story that I chose the latter. I tried, I did my best to deal with my pride. I recognized it was pride, horrible pride. Pride's ugly. I don't know how you like talking about your pride. I don't. Um, I hate talking about my pride because it's, it is ugly. But there you go. That's the story. And, and I was right in the thick of a lot of pride, a lot of ugly pride. But I'm thankful that God brought me to a point where I had a decision to make and I chose to humble myself as hard as it was. 
it actually became the best decision I could have made. Bruce became a very, very close friend of mine. And I learned so much from watching Bruce and him showing me things that he does. Uh, it was really, really quite wonderful. And it blessed me uh, so much. If we're not careful, pride can take us out because the alternative, if I hadn't have done that, I think pride would have taken me out of that part of ministry. And that would have left me far short of what God had for me to be a part of. And I think it's true for all of us. If we have pride in our heart, it just puts the lid on how far we're able to go. But when we can come from a place of humility, it's just amazing what God will do for you and, and for me in those moments. I'm going to end just with a, a short passage from Luke chapter 22, an example here of the disciples, starting with verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you by the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine. Oh, sorry. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And they began to question among themselves, which of them it might be who would do this. And a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. What struck me really quite interesting and challenging in this passage, going back here to verse, um, where are we looking at here? Verse 23, where it says, They began to question among themselves which of them, it, who it might be, who would betray Jesus. And then somehow the argument grew into something else where they started to have a dispute as to who one of, which one of them was going to be the greatest. Jesus is here, his last moments with his disciples, about to go and lay his life down. And the disciples are arguing about which one of them is the greatest. No concern for Jesus at all. At all. Not, not even considering it started off that someone was going to betray him. Surely not me, Lord. But then it just turns into this crazy, silly, stupid argument about which disciple is going to be 
the greatest. And then Jesus obviously addresses that and talks to them about that. And Jesus who said, I've come to serve, not to be served. There is a posture for us to live, to live humbly, to serve humbly, to serve as bond servants of Jesus. And to do that with an attitude of humility. Those verses that we read about before about children, obey your parents and fathers, don't exasperate your children and, and slaves, workers you know, for your, your employers or your masters as for the Lord and not for men. There's, there's humility in all those things. Pride can't exist in those relationships. Humility prefers one another. And when we come at it from the angle and from the perspective and the knowledge of knowing that it is the Lord that we're serving, that we are bond servants of Jesus. We are free. We are free to serve. We are free to do everything that God has for us to do when we are in submission to Jesus. To be a bond servant of Jesus, we live humbly. We serve humbly. And if we want to have good relationships in our lives, whether it's in the home or whether it's in school or at work, if we will live humbly and if we will serve humbly, then we'll see those relationships flourish. We'll see amazing things happen and we'll see God moving in all of those. And just the final thought, going back to uh, verse 9 of that first passage that we read, that says these words, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. It's talking about how God is their master and God is your master. The person who's sitting next to you or the person that you'll next see is their master and your master. There is no favoritism with him. God doesn't play favorites. God doesn't make some greater and some lesser. God loves us all equally. He cherishes us all equally. In, in some perspective, we are all his favorite. None of us are, are more favorite than another, however. And that's our attitude. That's why we don't need to be worried about seeing someone else succeed, seeing someone else get ahead, seeing someone else be blessed. Because we, we serve humbly. There is no favoritism. God loves us just as much as he loves the other person. We, we belong to Christ just as much as the other person. So let's live this out. Let's live and serve humbly. Let's serve humbly. As God moves, it's because of him, it's because of Christ that we can actually live this out. As we serve Jesus, then all these amazing relationships can be transformed when we live them out from a humble place. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for, Lord, first of all, what you've done for us. Lord Jesus, that we are free, that you came, that we would be free and that we would be free indeed. And Lord, just as Paul has described himself many times as a bond servant, Lord, we too recognize that we, though we are free, we choose to submit our lives to you. We choose to live under the umbrella, under your banner, Lord, under your will and under your purpose. That as we submit ourselves, Lord, to you, that you help us then to live that out, 
that we would serve others because we're serving you, that we would serve others in the same attitude that we serve you and that we do it humbly, Lord, that we wouldn't think that we're better than anyone else, but we certainly wouldn't think that we're worse than anyone else, that we would know that we are loved. And that is the platform from which we do life, knowing that we are loved. We love because you first loved us. Help us to live this out, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.